You're listening to Dead Air Podcast, part of SplatterPictures.net. What's up, everybody? Wes, Dead Air Knife here with Always. Typical Lydia. Today's show, we're going to be doing the 2019 Halloween Haunt. Haunt. Beep, 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 beep. That's my, I'm, I'm a clown man. Beep, 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 beep. <laughs> yeah, Haunt. I am so glad that you got a chance to see this. I was a little surprised that you hadn't, but when we were picking a movie to do for Halloween, I'm like, I wanted to rewatch Haunt, which is a movie that we now watch every year here at Casa de la Grest. And it is a fantastic Haunt movie. We were going to go to a Haunt, uh, Saunders Farm, for my first time. It's a local Haunt attraction. And it's nothing like this. It's not an extreme Haunt. I've never been to an extreme Haunt, although I have a very huge interest in extreme Haunts. And this movie just does so many things right. And as far as a horror movie, any time of year... I think that this is a damn good contender. I'm glad to hear that you seem to enjoy it. What did you think of Haunt, Wes? Well, Lydia, I'm going to tell you, I really liked this film. I had heard of it. I had seen it in passing uh, when you had suggested to do this. I remember seeing it was on Shudder. Funnily enough, the first time I ever heard of this film was I'd watched uh, an unboxing video on TikTok about somebody who had gotten some sort of big kick-ass collector's edition version of this movie. And I said to myself, what is this? And I had done a little research and then I noticed that it was on Shutter, and it was, I'm going to get to that. I'm going to get to that. But I didn't watch the trailer. Had I'd watched the trailer, I probably would have bumped it up to make sure that I could watch it because the trailer in and of itself uh, intrigued me. But now having watched it, I picked it up on Blu-ray just for the show. And by me, I mean my wonderful, wonderful partner, Cassandra. They bought it for me as a nice little gift because we were at the store. And I'm glad that they did because this movie is really, really great. And dare I say, special. It's now going to be in your Halloween rotation. I don't doubt it because it is so perfectly Halloween-y. And it's got that mix of this group of kids ending up in a situation. And it's such a neat group of kids. I think that's one of the things I, I like the most about this movie, aside from a lot of the the weird little extra twists that there are to this film and the actors and the, the look of the people in this film that I really enjoy. Uh, the, the nature of the haunt, there's lots that I enjoy, but it's this group of people that they picked quite properly and I'm glad that we have Cabin in the Woods to to serve as sort of like a, a watershed moment when we all and all moviegoers realize this group of people and how they're concocted and what sorts of people you can choose to fill the roles that are common to Cabin in the Woods but in Haunt it's, it's subtle and they're a little more modern without being uh, cardboard cutouts of hipsters basically Um, But they do have some elements of modern teenagers or younger people that we can still relate to, even as old 
fudgy coots ourselves, but it's not like a caricature of those sorts of people. I'm playing the quarry right now and they do the same thing. They just have such a believable mix of modern teens. Did you enjoy this mix as much as I did? Do you feel that these are, this is a good representation of our kids in a van going somewhere dangerous? I do. I, I was actually just going to mention the casting in this film is awesome. It reminds me so much of authentic young people. Again, they teens, early 20s, people, college years, that sort of eclectic mix of people, but not so eclectic that we're sitting here being, why would these people even be friends? Here's why they're friends. They go to school in the same area. This is a small college town. Think like a Kingston. That's what I kept thinking about when, when I was watching. I was like, oh my God, like this reminds me of like my college days going down to Kingston and just, you know, that their, their quote unquote smaller downtown area there or like a Barrie, Ontario or something like that. People that have like a nice little small town area where even when they're talking about like all the Halloween haunts that are around and their their costumes are the exact level of effort that I would expect where it's it's like and also I was very impressed by like man people like ditch their costumes very realistically in a way that I would ditch my costume where okay we're dressing up for this one event but now that we're going to the haunt we're kind of not wearing our costumes anymore except for the one girl who who was a nurse I just thought that these guys did a fucking great job. And and I really don't see a weak link anywhere. And even the one character where he shows up and he's going to be, here's the hyper douche. Here's, okay, I get this fucking guy. He's going to be a jerk and he's going to be selfish. And I bet when the chips are down, he is going to abandon everybody and, and try to escape. And then he's going to die trying to escape because he didn't try to help his friends. None of that happens. Even though... Like when the chips are down and things get fucking stressful, everyone acts competently. Um, to uh, to uh, 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 a point, there are some little goofy mistakes. Where I'm like, eh, I wouldn't reach your arm in there. Like given the situation, <laughs> um, it seems like yeah, a bit yeah. of a seems like they're baiting you. But the nice thing is, is since these haunters, let's call them, have developed this facility themselves you really are in a fun house of nightmares by their design so you don't need to make bad decisions because they're accounting for all the eventualities it is almost like on par with saw at that point mm -hmm. because you've got that jigsaw level planning of the area you're in and it's weird to say that at one point you, you begin to feel that they are trapped, but they're trapped at the beginning because they go to this haunt. It's an extreme haunt. They sign a waiver. They relinquish their cell phones. They're put in, it's put into a lockbox. They walk in trapped. Like they, they, they trap themselves. Mm -hmm. As you progress, you, you get this real feeling that not only are they trapped in a killing machine or an abattoir, it has a, a real feeling of a slaughterhouse. It really does. Mm -hmm. The way that they uh, subdue their prey but as you progress i almost thought that it would start to get dingier and they'd start giving up the premise that this is a haunt <laughs> but no you through and through through this whole killing machine that they've sent these people into 
it it maintains the look of an escape room or a haunt or it's so cool that way and i really enjoy that disarming nature for us as the audience where we think they're just going to give up and this is going to be dr satan's underground hovel any minute but no mm -hmm. it's still a haunt even the things that i thought that the traps were going to be were oh this isn't a trap for the people this is a fail safe for the entire fucking facility you know oh the final room is not we're like you said dropping all pretenses it's it's an escape room and they stick to it's an escape room you gotta fucking do the escape room and it's not they never at no point do these haunters abandon the premise and do you want to know what it reminds me of indie gamers will know this one but there and i said this to cassandra while we were watching it this reminds me of an indie game called spooky's house of jump scares have you ever heard of this no i haven't the premise of spooky houses of jump scares is you are it's a it's a pov walking sim like horror game in which you enter this house and there's this adorable little ghost girl character named spooky and when you go to this game you start walking through these long hallways of this spooky haunted house it's almost like a cavern and the idea is to get to different rooms so sometimes you're just like go straight there's another door there's another door so on and so forth and little cartoon ghosts that look like fucking stickers that you would get give to a child like a little ghost a little witch a little pumpkin and they go like boing and they flick out in front of the screen on little conveyor belts in front of you and you're like oh and you're like what what is this lame ass what is this like it looks like something for children and the little skeleton at the beginning of this haunt that pokes out that the one girl puts her little cat ears on i was like oh my god this is like spooky houses of jump scares because as you descend into this spooky's house of jump scares it becomes very clear that things are going darker and darker and more serious and then there starts to be entities that will relentlessly chase you through rooms it can go through walls and and then the meanwhile while you're like essentially at the end of the game you're confronting like a lovecraftian horror you are still like boing, 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 like little ghosts and little pumpkins are like jumping out at you and it never drops this thing and it, it's it's a very cute game but it's fucking wild and and i just I, I just, man, it's just so good. Like, this movie fucking rules. I guess we should pause before we go on too long and say happy Halloween. We're going to try and get this episode out for Halloween. We're not doing an extravaganza this year, but Haunt itself is a bit of a, an extravaganza. Mm -hmm. And it does elicit all of our Halloween loves. There's not, there's, there is a, a slight lack of pumpkins and jack-o'-lanterns throughout this, but it definitely has a more adult haunt theme to it so happy halloween and welcome to our halloween haunt stravaganza <laughs> it's happy halloween no especially just happy halloween enjoy it god damn it but i actually want to talk a little bit about the colors of this film and instantaneously i don't know how much they shot this movie for but holy fuck not since trick-or-treat have i felt such just amazingly rich and sharp color palettes all the haunters with their like like very color specific outfits the 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 chainsaw area with the purple and the lights and like like 
it, it's so crisp and so visually pleasing to look at and it has that air of child-friendly haunted house child-friendly halloween those particular colors of halloween that i like the most like listen i love grime and dirt and dark and all that kind of stuff but the reason why i like trick-or-treat so much is because it is filled with colors that remind me of a child-friendly goofy halloween and cheap plastic masks and all this kind of stuff and just like i could look at these haunters all day what do you think same here. And the last time that I saw colors quite this rich and Halloweeny and evoking the the feeling of of fall and that you know prepping you mentally for a jump scare coming around the corner was when I was at Saunders Farm because it's that exact same palette and it's those exact same sort of corners that you're turning around that they're relying on and the the subtle changes in atmosphere or the the color or the level of the amount of detail that you can pick out, the, the amount of light that they're allowing you to see things with. And I think that's the, the best thing here is that when you do come to stark, brightly lit areas in this film, that is the most terrifying. And they are a little gritty here and there. It's, mm -hmm. It does get to like saw or hostile level of grittiness. Thank you to Eli Roth, one of the producers, one of the many producers of this film. It probably had some influence there. Who knows? Um, but I really did like that as well because it evoked being at a haunt. It evoked being at down the spooky street. You know, if you go trick-or-treating as a kid, there's always that spooky street where there's a couple people that really go all out and maybe have mini haunts in their front yards. And that sort of lighting, that sort of feeling, that level of fog, <laughs> yeah, definitely does hit that nail on the head. When I was a kid, uh, just speaking of Saunders Farm, uh, uh, gang, if you're from the, uh, you know, Ottawa, Ontario uh, area, like the Saunders Farm is a, is a very old Halloween tradition. I went there when I was a kid and um, there was an old witch at the Saunders Farm when I was there. And I was quite young. I'd say around like, you know, the, the saucy years for a kid where you're like eight, nine. So you can imagine... I'm walking through this haunted house, like trying to pretend like I'm pretty bored. And, you know, I got my blue jean jacket on with like the, 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 almost like the sheep's wool uh, collar around it, like the white, like frills around the top. And I'm just like, yeah, man, like whatever. And I remember so vividly this woman who was dressed as an old witch, she just came over and she like, just looked right at me and she's like, are you scared, mister? And I remember just being like, no. And, uh, but, uh, there was a couple of things that got me, although I remember being so small that, um, uh, a lot of adults were blocking me. So adults, when you go to Saunders farm, like if there's kids around you, just like, let them like, uh, let them see so they can get some of the, uh, the, the, the full effect of the Saunders farm experience. But I will say that I did get to go home with a, a glow in the dark plastic skeleton. And that was a highlight of my kid life that particular Halloween. That sounds about right. Now, I, I enjoyed my time even as an adult, you know, because we approach it like a part of me because I haven't been to a lot of haunts is like I might jump and sc get scared and I, I hope I don't throw fists because 
of being scared, you know, mm -hmm. that happens at more extreme haunts or haunts where people can touch you. And I know it's not one of those haunts. It's not an extreme haunt by any stretch of the imagination at all. It's a family friendly haunt. But mm -hmm. you never know. You never know what's going to make you jump. You know, I had a lot of fun going through there. There's some sections that sound like the beginning of a death metal album <laughs> just because of the ambient sounds, right? Like, I really did enjoy that. And as adults that love horror, it's like being home to a certain extent. And I think that that's part of why Trick or Treat especially, or this film, does that to us. Like, why we love it so much? Because we feel like we're home to a certain degree. Does that sound about right? I think you really hit the nail on the head. It just... These movies, and I think that like a really great fucking marathon would be, or a double feature, Haunt and Trick or Treat. I think these movies are, go together like peanut butter and jam. You get a cool anthology, super Halloween-y feel, and then you get a good slasher uh, type uh, Saw-like film. And the only thing that I could say that I was surprised about, well, I was surprised about the plot of Haunt quite a bit, and we'll get into it in just a second. But I was also... Mm -hmm kind of impressed by like the restraint it's gory but not in such a way that i that it would turn off a lot of people there's maybe one or two standout stuff if you got problem with teeth maybe look away but for the most part it's pretty um quick it's not it's not like watching one of the later saw films or like a hostel where you're spending a lot of time torturing people which i was curious if this was going to be more of a torture-like film and it's really not it's, it's a slasher there's no other way to say it uh so there's that but f you know fuck all that lids what is this movie even about anyways well you would think that it's about a haunt and it is <laughs> but it's really do not let fomo be your guide never let fomo be your guide if someone asks <laughs> you to put your cell phone in this lockbox and sign your life away there should be a, a, a community betterment reason behind that particular action. Or, you know, if you're in the army and you're going on your boot camp, you know, that's a good reason as well. <laughs> but going on a haunt because some hot dude is there and you're feeling lonely and underappreciated or whatever is not a good reason to put your fucking cell phone in a lockbox and sign your life away. FOMO, do not let FOMO be your guide. That's a good life lesson for every single Halloween. And what we have here is we have an opening shot. We meet young Harper and her and her roommate Bailey are about to go out for a, a, a Halloween party in a bar. And it's, it's not decorated to the nines in which you would think, where are these Halloween places when I was like going out and doing stuff like nobody ever celebrates Halloween like this, maybe in Salem, but like nowhere else do they do Halloween this fucking hard. But this is very believable. It's a very believable level. Again, everything is so fucking believable, um, which really makes the rest, the end of the movie, like even crazier because let me tell you something. I did not fucking see where this movie was going whatsoever. And I am delighted at where it went. We go to the bar and Harper is kind of maybe getting out of a pretty rough relationship. You see her covering up um, her uh, swollen black eye with some makeup. And uh, we also see uh, a bit of uh, 
some haunting doings already because there's a mysterious pickup truck that makes you think that perhaps these ladies have been targeted by some sort of evil entity when no it's just a jerky douchebag um because it's harper's ex-boyfriend but to get her mind off of everything we are going to uh go ahead and go to a party i want to take one little side note for my appreciation of them showing harper watching night of the living dead on halloween that is such a great little fucking nod to tons of other horror movies where someone is like casually just watching night of the living dead it's uh it's just a great little nod when they get to the party everyone's having a pretty good time until they kind of decide that it's time to go and one of them sees a flyer on the ground for a halloween haunt in the area and they definitely want to go do it the night's not over and so Harper, Bailey, uh, two dudes and two other ladies um, and their little party clique, they want to go to this Halloween haunt. And so they drive out into the uh, woods and they go to this haunt in which there is a creepy clown man. And like you said, they put their phones in a lockbox and they enter this place that seems pretty innocuous. They got, they got everything from plastic skeletons to... Uh, that old uh, Halloween sound record that you would put on, like with the screams and the owls and the thunder and lightning. You have um, plastic spiders and just a fake cobwebby spider and nothing really seems out of the ordinary. And honestly, for something with such an extreme intimidating beginning of that clown who's not talking and gives you that, you would think that, okay, this is actually maybe... Maybe I'm in for a little bit too much here because this seems more than a Saunders farm. This is this is uh, pretty extreme. And then when you get in there, you're like, oh, actually, this is super lame. This is basically just like a tourist trap. And they realize when they're already locked behind these doors and get separated that there is no escape and this place has become very real and very deadly. Very deadly and terrifying in an, in a very adult way where the pop-up skeletons are not, <laughs> you know, we can appreciate a pop-up skeleton like any other Halloween fan, but it does look at the, that beginning area, like stuff you could buy at the local Halloween store, right? It's, it's not a, a haunt really. It's no different than like Halloween dad's front yard of horrors, but it does get pretty scary with the first like installation, the first like room you go into where there's a performer and it's these haunt actors, the scare actors that are the scariest thing in here. The atmosphere starts to not slip into not Halloween territory and you end up in just in a slaughterhouse. Uh, no, it still does maintain like a haunt, but it's more like an installation at Saunders Farm. There's a new one called The Shambles that reminded me quite a lot of The Haunt or haunt the film uh leading up to the beginning where we uh like of them entering the haunt we do get some glimpses of sam the enraged ex-boyfriend of harper's that is maybe a drunk and definitely some sort of abuser that has followed them out there we think we're pretty sure and i like the subtleties with this film where we're pretty sure sam is a horrible person pretty damn sure we don't have 100 percent guarantee of this fact but you know pretty sure we're pretty sure that there's something wrong in harper's home life that her family have had 
a, a, an abusive relationship prior to her going to college. But we never get 100% on that. We don't get 100% on what the nature of this extreme haunt really is. We don't get a 100% guarantee that Evan, this hot baseball playing dude that is out for them for Halloween, is really maybe interested in Harper. We don't get any guarantees. And even that, you know, we don't have any sure-footedness on these characters with those little things about their lives. Aside from that they're likable, believable characters and we want to see what happens to them and we're intrigued as they are as to the nature of this haunt, we have no guarantees from little subtle things like is Sam following them? Uh, are, what is the relationship with Harper and her parents? Because she goes to dial her mom when she thinks she sees Sam outside the bar and she's like, I'll just go to mom's house. She puts it into an Uber, but then she deletes it. And it's hard to discern why and the whole nature of her attitude toward going to her mom's, if she's ever intended to go, like all of that stuff, very vague, everything's vague. So when they come to that first installation, after going through Hokey Dad's front yard of horrors, it becomes really real, really quick, but still with that vagary that they're experiencing and us as the audience, because we have not one moment of sure-footedness going through this and neither do they when they see a witch behind a large piece of glass that they can't get at but they can hear and see drags this body into this area that is lit and has sound effects and is obviously a haunt installation this is a scare actor with a hot poker pressing it to a screaming female who's screaming, help me, help me, help me at these people very believably and just brands the side of her face. And then the lights go out and it's the end of that particular portion of the haunt. They are taken aback, as are we. And it's very effective because it sets the tone for you have no idea what you're about to see here, do you? At that moment, we as an audience know that we're watching a horror movie. So we know that something is wrong. But if you were to take yourself out of that perspective and look at it from their perspective, it still looks like a put on. It doesn't, you wouldn't think that this is actually a person that is getting killed in front of you because why would you think that it's actually somebody being killed in front of you? And I really like that aspect of this film in which they really take their time. And it kind of reminds me of a more a mellow version of The Collector or Collections and, and things like that. Saw, like you had said, I like that they, we spend a lot of time vibing with these kids in this haunt. The, the, the sequence with this was the witch's hair and this is the witch's eyebrow eyeballs and all that kind of shit. I remember doing those in elementary school and that the fact that they added that sequence and you know that something in that third area is super bad, but you go with it because also beforehand they had that, this, the, the sequence with the caskets and nothing really happened with the caskets. It's, you think that, oh, are these real spiders? Are they not real spiders? Even though people do think that they are real, there's other people that's like, it's just from fucking Party Planet. Like, it's just like a bunch of garbage that they bought 
at a costume supply store. Like, don't worry about it. Here's the receipt for it. There's, there's all these evidences to lull you back into a false sense of security because your brain is not wanting you to take to the place that you have made a grave mistake because it's Halloween and you're in a haunt and they're trying to scare you. And so it's this perfect fucking setup for we don't know that we're in danger yet. And so I really, whereas there could be an aspect of me that's like, all right, come on. Like I came here for the blood and guts. Like I want to see these people be scared. I want to see them get murdered. But I, but I found myself just like, I like this. This is just a good vibe. Like it's so funny because you know, (laughs) something bad is going to happen, but they do it in such a way that it's not obvious when that's going to be because they give you a lot of false, um, false senses of danger that, are just nothing. It's just part of the haunt and it's not a dangerous part of the haunt, whether it be the caskets, um, the, uh, what was it scary or not scary or, or like, like a way that they could go within the maze. That was fucking hilarious because yeah, safe oh, and not right, safe. safe and not safe <laughs> because I was like, yeah. how are they going to do this? Is it going to be the safe is actually the bad way and then not safe is the good way or is it, just a bullshit in either case, like it's not, it's, it's not unsafe either way or is like, how are they trying to trick you? And I think that since these haunters hold all the cards, they play with you psychologically almost in the same way that the, uh, the strangers do like the Bagman and Dollface do in the strangers where they're a hundred percent in control at all, all the time. So they don't care how you go through the maze. They've, they've, uh, uh, accounted for almost every eventuality. Yeah, I like the way they really do fuck with us and them at that point. Like, even the one hallway, which is so very Halloween hauntish and very horror movie, as a hallway with a whole bunch of ghosts, like people covered in sheets, mannequins more accurately covered in sheets. And we know from horror movies and from perhaps haunts, like one of these is going to be an actor. One of these people is going to grab them or scare them, or say something, or move, even just moving, is scary. And the way that this person moves is that they suddenly break from the line of ghosts after the person has passed them, and they walk the other way, which is actually kind of sums up like the expectation, the the subversion of expectation here, where it's like, not only did the person not jump out and scare them, and yeah, okay, we're, we're admitting to everybody that we know that one of those ghost is a person like duh but it walks the other way so you're immediately thinking oh no is something wrong where are they going was this planned did they they obviously know the person can see them it's you know done in front of the audience it's not like a a sneaky thing but where are they going and that sort of unsettled feeling throughout the bulk of this haunt is just so subtle like that and it's those little subtleties even the character introduction and the motivations of people, the motivations of this haunt and the actions of the haunt actors. I just I just absolutely love that. Um, they do go through, like you said, that thing where they're reaching their arms in to feel the the gruesome <laughs> remains of, of a witch or somebody, someone. And you've got that feeling of don't reach your arm all the way in there. So on one hand, it's that putting your hand in a bowl with your eyes closed, plus also the fear that it's going to be some mangle machine behind there that's going to chew her arm to a bloody stump because we've seen too many horror movies 
and they're putting their arm all of the way in there not only to the point that we have some character building here where she loses a ring the roommate that she's borrowed off harper that happened to be harper's mother's ring like real world concerns all of a sudden and when she does get injured this is another one of those subtleties with the gore we expect as horror movie fans for her to pull out a ragged bloody stump but it's some cuts unsettling she's losing blood but it's not like insane this lingering shot on her arm as it starts to bleed was so great to me because i was hyper focused she has um bailey has a tattoo on her wrist and i didn't notice that before and so when i was looking at her wrist and i saw the tattoo i thought oh what did they do do they like fucking just like jam a bolt into her wrist or what the fuck do they do and then when she when you see that her skin starts to split and bleed i'm like oh my god like that's so good i was looking in the wrong place and her injuries are so much worse than i thought they were and i i, I was just really drawn in by that um again like i i'm really finding myself like having like so much nice to say about this like i really liked it like like all of these scenes were so effective so now they are in danger i suppose they have an injury they need help and they begin banging on the glass yelling for haunt workers they want some help they do see a haunt worker that doesn't help them walks away sort of thing like they're feeling pretty helpless they're also um separated as well like you'd mentioned the coffin scenes where they get separated in these tunnels there's a moving walls trap doors all kinds of things to separate one another uh, their nurse friend has been separated, which is kind of a pain because she would be helpful in this situation. <laughs> but yeah, like she would know maybe what to do, but they have no way to get out, no tools to get out. They're trapped in this room. And when they do get back together, somebody comes into the room from their group. They start yelling like, no, no, don't let the door close. And it closes behind them, which I think is kind of hilarious, but it just attests as... It just helps attest to how trapped they really are. And they are starting to panic by this point, too. They really are. That's where um, there was a tunnel sequence in which people had to crawl on their hands and knees. And we uh, permanently lose one of our um, people at that point. I can't. She was a flapper girl. I can't quite remember her name. But um, Mallory. Mallory, that's right. Yeah, Mallory, uh, Mallory uh, goes missing. And when everyone's reunited they did something where i thought what going into this movie when we see the lady the the young girl pulled out into the body bag and then branded by the witch i said okay this is going to be one of those films where there is no final girl one of those people probably harbored based on like what i was watching of the the script so far she is going to be where that person is and then the next group of people is going to come in and then we'll see that all we were witnessing at the beginning of this film was the final girl of the last group of teens that went through this haunt ended up so we will see this fate but in this case we see the witch essentially duplicating what happened to mallory and the witch uh impales her in the head but they do this thing where they immediately with the branding they immediately erupt into like dry ice smoke so you can't really see the aftermath and with Mallory they do the exact same thing 
And so this is where we encounter when one of our one of the young men they get separated. Well, they don't get separated. They go on ahead to see if they can get help because Bailey is grievously injured, and uh, the the young lady who's dressed as a nurse she gets her hand stomped on trying to grab this uh, poker. So they're injured, and so it's time to like go ahead. And if this is an extreme haunt, what happened? To, to Mallory, was she killed? Is she in on it? What the fuck is going on? We encounter the character of Ghost. This character is so good because you know in the back of your mind, this is not your friend. This is not, we because we're watching a horror movie. We, we, we didn't, we don't think that like 20, 30 minutes into the film, all the haunters are going to pull off their masks like, sorry guys, this was like a big misunderstanding. We didn't... <laughs> Oopsie whoopsie. Sorry you got grievously you're uh, injured there. Let's get, you a ho- get, let's get you to the hospital credits. Like, that's not going to happen. But I found Ghost so inscrutable. He, he's like, I'm, I'm sorry, did you guys say that you needed help? Like, oh, we're a little extreme here, but... And he starts explaining how the traps work. He starts explaining where they're going. That their friend, yeah, their friend was in on it. Like she's just waiting for you guys outside. Like, and then he goes back and tries to help, and he will give them their keys. He will be as helpful. He will follow their directions because you know they're telling him what to do. He doesn't really react in a neg- in an angry way when they um, start saying like they start yelling at him essentially for this, and you can't really tell. If this is this, if our group of teens believes him, wants to believe him, or is just trying to, at the very least, we just need to get out. Like we're not going to call the cops. We're not going to do anything. We just want to go. And so this ghost character helps them, sort of. Yeah, Mitch, Mitch the bitch, Mitch, <laughs> <laughs> with his ghost face. Um, there are some moments of tension because we've already seen Nathan. How you mentioned that Nathan is subverts our expectations like everything else in this movie. We think he's going to be the prick. We think he's going to turn on his friends. think he's going to be selfish and he's kind of a prick, but he's funny and he's actually sweet and he's very big hearted, but he's very um, worried about his like safe space. He doesn't want people laying hands on him. And when they first go through the haunt, at the beginning, there's a little chainsaw area and the chainsaw person puts the chainsaw up and it sort of threatens him and he pushes him. And he's like, oh, I maybe shouldn't have pushed him. Um, so when he's having an altercation with Mitch, their their haunt friend, now their helper, their haunt helper, I guess, the employee of the haunt that seems to be helping them, you worry that it's going to get out of control because Nathan is very determined. It's like, I want the keys. We got to leave. We have to go to a hospital. We don't want any of your fucking bullshit. The haunt ends now. We want out sort of thing. Um and Mitch is being like copacetic and he explains to them like, okay, we'll, we'll have to go back to this one emergency exit that uh, Harper says she saw. We'll go back through the haunt. It's easier. Like we could just continue on, but if you want out, you want out. I'm not going to argue. We have to go through the crawl space one at a time, because if we go through with too many people, the trap door will open and that's what separated you initially. And they're like, oh, okay. So they're going through it one at a time, one at a time. And Mitch goes through first. Mm-hmm. They make him go through first. 
Of course he goes through first and he grabs a hammer and nails and nails it shut. And we know, we knew that he was not going to be any help. We knew this. <laughs> he just proves it. So now they're very trapped. This was after a point where they had come to this emergency exit that was open to a brick door. And he was like, oh, yeah, I thought it was funny. I never remember there being an exit here. <laughs> <laughs> so we're like disarmed continuously. But they are definitely trapped. And the only way out is through. Yes, absolutely. When they try to when Nathan tries to go back through the way that they came, um, this is when we really start losing people. We start losing, like, Bailey. Bailey is in the tunnels and or in the, the crawl space, and we don't know what happens to her. Um, the, the the baseball man. I can't remember his name. Evan. 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 Okay. The love interest. The love interest. Sort of love interest. The Evan. The baseball man. So when we see Evan, he finds himself falling into an area where essentially it seems as though he does make it to the other side of the haunt in the sense that he's now behind the walls and can go into the back areas where everybody else is working the the haunt all the all the haunters are are back there and uh so he's he seems to be okay and it seems to be like i was like really like of all the things that you guys accounted for you didn't account for this but i do suspect that they did kind of account for this because but but um even if they didn't it still seems that what they really want is go through the haunt. They really want that to be part of whatever this is. And some of them go forward. When Nathan goes back, he ends up outside and you're like, oh man, like he made it out. But then we find that the lockbox with the cell phones aren't in there. And then he finds himself alone outside with ghosts. And that's where the big reveal of what is going on with this, because initially, you just get the sense, I was getting the sense, oh, this is going to be like, not to bring it up again, the strangers. This is just a bunch of people who want to do violence to other people. And they're wearing cr creepy Halloween masks, but that's pretty much it. When Ghost becomes very preoccupied with um, the fact that, oh, you said you wanted to see my face. You wanted to see my face. You wanted to know my name. You wanted to do all these things. And so eventually he does take off his ghost mask to reveal a stretchy faced ghost mask. Uh, Cassandra was saying that he looked like Corey Taylor from Slipknot in, in, in one of that guy's incarnations of his masks. But you find that, okay, he's pretty fucked up and he bashes Nathan in the head with a hammer and then literally pulls his face with the back of the hammer off. Uh, it's a pretty gruesome scene, very quick, but very effective. I think I've got Evan and Nathan mixed up. Oh. One second here. Yeah. I have definitely mixed up Nathan and Evan. Nathan is the baseball guy. And Evan is, is the human Evan. centipede. Evan is the human centipede. Okay. Well, anyway, we'll just carry on like that. Yeah. But hmm. my apologies. But yeah, it's maybe the most gore that we've seen actually at this point. And it's done really effectively. The, the kills and the gore are very effective from the very subtle burning of the cheek, the small slashes on the arm that are bleeding out. The poker through the face is very good, but very brief. Like you said, it's not like they don't linger too much. They linger a little on this, but it is just really well done. And it's got almost like this otherworldly, like 
let me see your face or let me take off your mask kind of feeling that we're getting from the ghost faced killer now. So this is a movie with a ghost faced killer if you want to be technical. <laughs> That's true. We start to get the idea that there's maybe, I don't know, I, I hesitate to say a supernatural element because it's not necessarily supernatural or otherworldly. It's a body modification, perhaps. We've only really seen a lot of this face and it looks almost like scar tissue. So it's hard to tell like how intentional is this? Is this maybe a deadite of some sort? <laughs> a very subdued deadite, very serious deadite. Um, it's hard to tell what's really going on. And I like that sort of, we, we again, uncertainty. We're plagued by uncertainty in this fucking film. Yeah, we really are. I, I remember when I watched this moment, I wasn't quite sure what to make of it. And I thought to myself, all right, well, he's got something going on. And then they re they go to the clown guy. And then once the clown takes his mask off and I say, and I at the very least see, okay, his face looks clown-like. So I got from there that whatever these haunters, cheap plastic Halloween masks are, underneath that mask is the fleshy representation of that character. This seems to be what they're after. And we realize now that this entire group of people seems to be wanting people's faces to referring to your face, my face, typical face, I should say, as a mask to be removed. And I don't know if it's a leather face thing. Like, do you want my face for your face <laughs> collection? Or do you just think you're revealing people's true nature by removing their face and are you changing your faces to match the personalities and how does this work out it's not entirely clear but what is clear like nightbreed yes like basically. nightbreed um <laughs> hey look at this he looks like fucking like peeling his face off um, but what is clear is their cell phones are now in possession of clown who seems to be in charge of this whole operation. Uh, you think it might be somebody else earlier in the film when you see another one of the haunters, but that turns out to be a red herring. And when he is screwing with their phones, he's getting a whole bunch of their information. And they mention this, actually. They're like, they have our addresses. They have all of our information. They know who we are. And even Ghost will tell um, Evan before he dies his own home address. He's like, we just want to go home. And he's like, you mean, you know, 225, blah, 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 whatever his street name is. So you know that this is actually extra scary because even if you guys escape and if you don't take care of these guys, they are definitely going to know where you live. And I'm pretty sure they're not going to want you saying anything. So you're not entirely safe. So this sets us up for down the road. But speaking of down the road, we have somebody who is looking for Harper, and that is Sam, her uh, piece of shit abusive boyfriend, who calls Clown and asks where Harper is. And he's like, who the fuck is this? And he's like, oh, you want to sp uh, speak to Harper? And he's like, you're too late. Then he tosses some of the phones into the microwave and then gets distracted and has to go elsewhere. This is where um, eventually... Nathan will get a hold of the phone. But this is where things really are breaking off into chaos. Harper is going, it's proceeding deeper into the haunt itself. 
and it gets more deranged and and demented while still keeping that carnival-like feel and still looking like a haunt. Again, like the sequence in which she has to like go through that bucket of gore to get out the flashlight that barely works, all of the uh, the injuries that she sustains. Although I will say, I don't think I, I mentioned it while I was watching it, but I did have the thought, oh, this has some very uh, extreme horror logic where you inflict a grievous wound on somebody and they react to it for about as long as it takes for that injury to occur and then for them to move on to the next room. And then it's not as though Harper has completely impaled her foot with a nine inch nail. It's not as though, you know, Harper has completely removed all of the skin off the palms of her hands with some very, I don't know if it's fucking gorilla glue or whatever it is, but like all of those injuries that she sustains are immediately like forgotten. Like she is not limping. She is like using her hands normally. There's like, you could maybe argue it's adrenaline, but you could also just argue. And now we're done with that sequence On to the next thing. Adrenaline doesn't last that long. Really? (laughs) Honestly, adrenaline lets you get to the next phase of being alive. Basically. I don't think it's a sustained thing where like a half hour later after crawling up and down through this haunt that you would continue to have pain-free super strength <laughs> right I'm, I'm playing the quarry and there's a part in there where someone sustains a very grievous injury and amputation of one, of one sort and within minutes they're actually fine and it's it's egregious because this person is without a limb or a digit or something, right? So, Because I don't want to spoil anything. But then they're just like, oh, yeah, and then that happened. People are like, what happened to your hand? And he's like, meh, it's fine. It's not fine. You would be passing out. You would be going into shock, <laughs> like, seriously. Even losing all the skin on the palms of your hands. Like, right, you know, and it's not just that first layer of skin. Like, there's some blood. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. And it's like, reminds me of in old Westerns and shit where people get shot and then they just take, like, the Bowie knife like put it in some hot like fire and then they just like cauterize their wound and then that's it for that gunshot wound for the rest of the movie it's like oh went all the way through the bullet's not still in there yep and as we all know when bullets go through you it's almost as if you like got stabbed by a toothpick i i know from personal (laughs) experience that when i um got the tip of my finger cut off just the the tip of my middle finger got cut off and sewn back on. I was in so much fucking pain. Like, yes, when when it got when I was wounded and it was bleeding everywhere, eventually it settled down and it stopped really hurting. But I'd say like a couple of hours later, the throbbing pain that I was experiencing was I mean, I was a kid at the time, but it was still fucking debilitating. And I always think about that when like if I were to, even one of those injuries, stepping on a nail all the way through through your shoe, through your entire fucking foot, coming out the top, in the center of your foot, with your, like, uh, was that, uh, your plantar fasciitis uh, type tendon, that one, the, the, that's it. That would be, you're done. You are fucking done. You will not be able to walk on that foot for days, if not weeks, because you are going to be in so much fucking pain. I just kept imagining the whole time, like 
her her shoe just completely filled with blood. And then when she lost all the skin on her hands, and then like literally, she gets to the next room, like closes the door, and she is just like handling things, like fighting, and and just it, it was the walk exploring around the escape room, like pulling apart those dolls. I'm like, I'm sorry, touching that raw fabric of those dolls would feel like you are dipping your hands in battery acid. How are you not? She's not even pretending that her hands hurt. I burnt the palm of my hand once quite badly as a kid. I was holding my wet mittens over a very, very hot wood stove, warming up from being outside. And I hadn't realized that part of the glove, part of the mitten had started to melt because my hands were very, very cold. And this is a bad idea. I have very cold, numb hands to hold them over something hot. This is why you shouldn't do that. But it had, it, it was, it was burning basically, but the steam had built up also from the wet gloves and nothing is more dangerous than a steam mm -hmm. burn because you don't really realize it's happening right away. That pain, unbelievable for days, days. For weeks, I was worried that I'd like cooked a piece of my hand irreparably. I wasn't going to be rifling through a haunt trying to, you know, get my way through a puzzle or whatever. I didn't want to touch dolls. I want to touch nothing. My father got a nail through his foot. It took two people to carry him back up from the barn that they were tearing down when he did it. And he didn't move from his bed for at least three days. He doesn't drink and he asked for whiskey. Like he was in too much pain to walk. Yeah. <laughs> he wasn't going to be running or crawling through things. No way. No way. <laughs> you know, you, that sort of injury is debilitating. Those two injuries together in a, in a teenage girl, no less. Not a big, tough dude who sustained maybe injuries in sport before that understands what pain, what their pain threshold is and what pain can do to you. No, this is just some chick, right? So... It's insane that she can carry on. I know. Later on, there's going to be someone who gets shot pretty much in the stomach. And he's just like, just does the old like hand over the wound, kind of looks at it to check that there's blood. And he's just like, ah, fuck this. And he like drops the bat and then just like sort of like kind of hobbles off. And I'm like, sir, that is a gunshot wound to your stomach. Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. But, yeah. I, you know, it's going to be one of those miraculous like it missed every organ. And that means he's fine. I'm like, you do have a hole through you, young man. But <laughs> One thing I do like is still they're not giving up the pretense. They're forcing Harper to go through this haunt. And there's even like a chainsaw dude chasing her. And it's not like as intense as, say, something like American Psycho getting chased by a chainsaw. Or it's not, you know, Leatherface level chainsaw chasing. But you can hear it through the haunt. And that is so unsettling hearing this revving machinery coming after her i absolutely love that and the little puzzles i when they, we get to a room the room with the dolls and there's like you're following clues as to where are the dolls looking and look behind this and maybe there's a piece of wallpaper to peel or a picture to move it's very much like i a picture the escape rooms a very popular very uh, corporate team building level friendly family safe uh escape rooms being have you ever been in an escape room i've never been into escape room at all my work it seemed like for a good solid year my work was constantly doing escape room events like everyone like all your colleagues go to this escape room but uh 
you know, I don't like a lot of my coworkers, so I would never do that. And <laughs> I, I don't, yeah. uh, I, I wouldn't, uh, I wouldn't really have an interest in it. Like there's a part of me that's like, oh, maybe an escape room would kind of be fun. But also as smart as people think that I am, I feel like a dummy and I'm not great at puzzle solving. Like sometimes when I see escape rooms depicted in TV and movies, the, the first and only thought that I always have is I would never, ever be able to figure this out. There's no way. I just don't have that kind of fucking mind where where people seem to have this kind of mind. I don't know if they're easier in real life or or if you just have like four or five people in a room together, you know, five heads are better than one. But I, I, I just feel like I bring nothing to the table and I wouldn't want to be there. So I'd be a grump that's not helping. And I, and who wants to hang out with that guy? Yeah, you get into the room of the dolls. You're looking for the key. It says dolls see all. And you're like, well, I live here now. I, I'll put it just... this way. I told Cassandra when I was watching the movie, oh, the, the key is look where all the, the dolls are. Like, what direction are they all looking? And it's over there. No, it was just behind where the doll faces. I would think that's too obvious. And I'd be like trying to say, where are the dolls looking? And I'd be like staring off at a blank wall for 45 fucking minutes, never finding this key. The haunters would die of old age or at least be brought to senility because I would be taking so long <laughs> to fucking do this. If we want escape puzzles, we can play Silent Hill. Yes. But I, I do like the look of this room, too, because we've been through some like pop up haunted dad backyard extravaganzas. We've been through the squirrely tunnel, which they actually they had did. one of those they at did. Saunders Farm. So that was really fun. Yeah, you just got sort of mm -hmm. circus macabre kind of feel. And, you know, real interesting looking haunts, the three coffins, which one does which one is the secret passageway kind of thing all that sort of stuff to this very well set up haunt and then my bigger fear i don't know about you but when she approaches the last room i thought like beyond the uh, pop goes the weasel moment which i guess we'll talk about in a second i thought she was in the back of a of, of a tractor trailer being sped off down the highway oh, somewhere man to be dropped off at a cattle farm for final girls. Oh man, that would be actually really cool if they did that. Imagine, but yeah, that's the sort of, you know, shaken expectations. I didn't know what to expect even. And we're very seasoned horror movie watchers. Um, when I heard the pop goes the weasel, I just expected that it was another haunt. I didn't realize that it was like basically the end of the line because she finds the key through behind the doll face hiding from the clown guy and all that she eventually does get through that final door actually he's not the clown guy i don't know what this guy's face is how would you describe the last guy she encounters initially when she gets to that point in which she finds the key underneath the bed there's this sequence that i really like where it, it kind of goes into her ptsd flashback she is under the bed and she tells the story. You know, Harper is our traditional horror girl with a secret. She has a dark past. She has uh, something in her past that I'm glad that it, it kind of stuck to like certain themes like that. And it it really pays off in this scene. And, and this is why I dug the inclusion of this abusive 
household that she grew up in because it's not just flavor text that was added to be shocking or to show you something uncomfortable or to be like oh isn't that sad poor harper and now she also has an abusive boyfriend on top of that so you see this cycle of abuse that's just really sad they pay it off in this sequence where she has a full-on PTSD flashback where the person entering the room becomes her father who she used to hide underneath the bed from while her father was just slapping the shit out of her mother and this nightmarish house she finds herself back into and the bed is raised in an unnatural way so she as an adult or uh, can fit under the bed as she would have as a little girl in a normal size bed and as we're hearing this voice and memory of her father, it turns into who it actually is, the devil. And the devil is a haunter who, I didn't really dig his haunter look that much, but his fucking modified face is badass. I love the horns, I love the piercing, I love the facial tattoos. He looks really, really cool. And he is just sort of repeating the line of, Let's take off your mask. Let's take off your mask. And she eventually, uh, the big trick of the escape room is even if you get to that opening door and you hear pop goes the weasel, it is attached to a conveyor belt with that is attached to a shotgun. Um, this is where there's a horror contrivance in it where I think, so you guys planned for all these eventualities, but you yourself, devil man, seem to forget that this shotgun is on a timer and you're so busy trying to kill this girl that you forget that you're on a timer with a shotgun that is pointed directly at you and somehow Harper, who's learned all this information for the first time, allows you to uh, like exploits it and has you, Mr. Devilman, get your head blown off by this fucking shotgun. And I just couldn't help but thinking of all the things in this movie, this is the least realistic because it really makes it seem like they're not aware how their own haunt works. What did you think of this? Even on the third viewing, and I'm going to watch it again and again because I love this movie. I forgive it, of course, for this, but you're right. I, I keep wanting to see more of them, him consciously keeping himself below the spread of the shotgun and her pushing him into its path, so to speak. But it does seem a little loose at that point. It does appear to me that, yes, he's completely forgotten. There's a shotgun pointed at him on a timer that there has an audible timer with the song Pop Goes the Weasel, which he could have very well been the dude that set this up. You know, and even if he wasn't, the haunt is not that big. They know every nook and cranny of this haunt, quite obviously. And he seems to be the scare actor, for lack of a better term, that is attached to this particular installation, this child's bedroom kind of setup that they have. So he should know, right? But no, he gets his head blown off. I had thought, this is where I'm like, are these supernatural beings, are, are they simply crazed killers with really great body modification connections do you see any small supernatural 
element within these people or their fixation on taking off your mask? No. I see a cult. This seems like a cult mm -hmm. to me. Cult. Okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. I've called them the haunt cult a couple times. Do you myself, remember so yes. when we watched, not when we, what was that movie called that we did for the show years ago where the people were recreating Night of the Living Dead? But in real life, was it synesthesia? Not synesthesia. Was it synesthesia? Mimesis. Mimesis or mimesis or whatever. Um, mimesis, yeah. Yes. When we did mimesis, I think that we have a kind of mimesis slash strangers situation going on. I can imagine that these, whoever the leaders were, were people that were super into horror movies, super into tattoos and body modifications. We know that at least one of them is. And then they get slowly indoctrinated into this culture of body modification. You get the sense that there's more to it. Maybe there is some sort of dark god type thing that they are worshiping or this. Maybe it's a, a Samhain worshiping just in general, like maybe little Sam uh, is is their, their totem animal. We don't know, but... They, you get the sense that it's just people who have sort of indoctrinated themselves into this idea of removing of masks and putting on masks, shedding your old self, becoming your true self. Because other than that, I can't imagine what they would do. And they do seem quite mortal to the point in which there was a couple of times where, like for example, when Ghost gets taken down, I definitely did not think he was dead. I definitely thought that he was going to get up. Especially, also, uh, Chainsaw Zombie Man. When Chainsaw Zombie Man, who, by the way, like, uh, just a shout out, like, that was probably one of my most favorite guys. I just, first of all, I love the room that he was in, and B, we all know that aspect of a haunt where a dude with a chainsaw with no chain on it is like, Ooh, like I'm gonna get you, and it's just basically a big noisemaker, and he's like very slowly coming after you, but like obviously he's not gonna touch you because he even does that until you know it's too late, and uh, you know Harper has to fight him for her life. I think that all of that stuff um, just goes towards human to me, but I don't know. I think you could, if you wanted to, take this into a sequel type area you could even make like this the 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 spirit of these halloween entities enter new people uh until the old ones are used up and die and then they start modifying their bodies over time and they uh, uh, until they either rot away from this demonic possession or they're killed off because what they're doing is kind of high risk like as our survivors are going to show them they do run into one haunt worker that has an average face. He's new. He mostly just runs errands for the people that run the haunt. Um, he knew that there were killings going on there because he says, they said that when I make my first kill, I'll get my face mm -hmm. or get my mask or get my mask taken off. I forget how he phrases it, but it was that guy that made me think, so there's some sort of like ritual you go through mm -hmm. or something or like you kill someone and just all of a sudden your face falls off and it becomes this uh, purist or implant ridden or um, scarification fixed up face. Like 
all these body modifications are very cool. There's scleral tattooing, like implants, like I said, tattooing. The horns are cool. The the metal implants are very, very cool. The scarification on the clown face is way cooler than Mitch's face. Like they have, uh, it runs the gamut of every body modification, especially extreme body modification that you could get. I would love to see the rest of their bodies, really honestly, to see if there's anything else going on there. But he, the way that he says, like when I make a kill, I get my face too. It just made me think like, okay, what exactly happens? Do you make your appointment with the tattoo guy? Is that what happens? <laughs> Do you kill somebody? So, but yes, it is a cult. Whether there is my wishful thinking, heart of hearts, that there may be a supernatural night breed element to these people. But yeah, uh, Harper is our final girl. She does make it through this with a little helping hand because coming crashing through the wall is Baseball Boy. Mm -hmm. When they uh, manage to rally together, this is almost immediately after uh, Harper, in her bloodlust and through trickery of our haunters, gets her to kill her friend and roommate, Bailey. Um, it's genuinely a sad scene. I, I, I really liked it. I didn't see it coming. I definitely thought this Skeletor skull-like person who they kept shooting from a, a low angle. And so it had this regality to it where you think, oh, this guy is the guy in charge. He's like just sitting there and then Ghost says, are you ready? And then they wander into the room and they see the devil man with his head blown off in that hallway and the the, the shotgun is out of bullets, the rifle or whatever. And no, it was Bailey and it was a bait and switch because they, needed, they wanted her to uh, kill her friend and she does and you know, she, um, they talk about a ring and they say that, you know, they're coming and, and, and to get out. And it's a really good scene. I, I really liked it. And when we, uh, do get out, um, or when Harper's on her way out because, uh, young Nathan, like, knows his way around this facility, we're kind of in a situation where she takes a beat and she sees the headless body of someone that, Maybe she recognizes? We're not sure. Because this entire time, a person has been stalking her. So there's a separate story going on that you could easily have made a whole movie about. Crazy, violent ex-boyfriend is going to come and kill his girlfriend on Halloween night because they got into a fight, she rejected him, a strange man answered her cell phone, and that's all that a guy like this needs. And so... You keep getting the sense I'm like, is this going to be like a Jason takes Manhattan situation in which Jason is going to end up saving somebody only because he's slightly less of a piece of shit than the drug addled gangbangers that kidnapped that one girl just so he can kill her herself. And so you're like watching is like, is this guy Sam going to like somehow save the day? Uh, no, he does not. He, he no. dies like a dog. No. He dies like a dog and there is even a part where she's like accusing one of the haunters of being Sam and she's like blah 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 Sam and the haunter looks at her and says who's Sam and that's I, I love that mm -hmm. I love that scene very very much I love that Sam dies like a dog because any level of abuse that she's experiencing we don't really need a backstory he is a piece of shit and it's great that he dies um, he is one clear death though among uh, quite a few clear deaths what I'm not clear on 
is her parents. So we'll get to that in mm-hmm. a second. So she she gets out with baseball boy Nathan. Basically, you end up on the bumper of a ambulance with a warm blanket and a cup of hot <laughs> yeah, chocolate. Yeah. <laughs> there is that, yeah. Yeah, not the best ending to a horror movie, but it's not the end, thankfully. But yeah, they're going to be okay. They're going to be okay, Wes. Yeah, they're going to make it after all. I have... They've set this place on fire. Okay, sorry, I didn't mean to cut you off. Please, I'm glad you cut me off because that's a fucking great thing that I almost missed. That oil thing was so... The whole movie, I'm like, what is... They're going to drop those bags of oil and people are going to get fucking burned alive. But no, it's just when they escape, they escape the witch. And the witch was like the person that I and uh, Cassandra were the most like... Oh, because since they were the one that was actually doing the killings in front of people, you're like, oh man, like this is the sadist. This is like, <laughs> I'm the witchy witch. And you're just like, and they have this great line, which I think is if they didn't immediately die after they did this line, this would be on par with the because you were home line from strangers. They deliver a line that when they escape, or they get, they're onto the roof of this uh, haunt or almost out of there. The witch, she says, do you think you're the only one that's made it this far? And you're like, oh, that's such a fucking good line dripping with despair and hopelessness because they've killed a few of the haunters. There's two of them that have managed to survive so far. They, they, they are, they see the horizon. They're almost fucking clear of this fucking place. And then someone just reminds them, do you really think you're the only one that's made it this far? Which means that the haunters have prepared for this eventuality, but not so much because the witch in all of her witchy glory has somehow forgotten that Nathan was also in that fucking trapdoor tunnel right behind her and just gets dragged down like a fool and then gets her head bashed by a metal door. Again, I'm like, what is it? Like, are you haunters like panicking? Are you so hopped up on, I'm gonna kill him, I'm gonna kill him, I got them in my sights that you forget how A, your own haunt works and B, that there was another person, not like five minutes behind Harper, literally right there. It's just the end of the night, man. They're tired, Wes. They want to go home. Um, <laughs> I don't know. I, I don't know because, yeah, are you the only people that think you've made it this far sort of thing? It also leads us to believe they're still in the haunt, right? This is all still the haunt. Driving down the road to get there is part of the haunt. This haunt is that entire area, which is terrifying thinking now we're like, even if they get on the other side of the fence, are they still in the haunt? Are there, are there guys with machine guns on the other side? But we see them trip their fail safe at this point. All of those big sacks of oily rags and the oil that's coating the wood that makes up some of the entrances to the haunt. Some of the backstage of the haunt is lit on fire by the clown face haunt worker. And the place goes up in flames. So it's on the news when they're like getting into the hospital and stuff and getting treated for their injuries. It's it's on the news about how many people are killed, how many bodies are found, that none of the haunt workers are have been arrested or located at this point. So it sets it up to a, for a sequel already for me. And I really hope that we see when it's 
was 2019, so it's been a little time. They made decent money from this. I don't know how much it cost to make. Let me just take a quick look. The box office of 2.4 million, 2.4 million worldwide. It doesn't say on, let's say, Wikipedia how much it costs to make this film. So I really don't know. It deserves so much more. It really does. Yeah, it doesn't say how much it took to make, but it had the backing of the people who did uh, Quiet Place. Mm -hmm. Pretty decent film. Um, and of course, produced by uh, Eli Roth, who brought us Clown, another movie I would have loved to see a sequel that is way better than anyone would would suspect. Mm -hmm. But yeah. Um, We're not done with Harper entirely, though, are we? No. Uh, an ending so confusing that I needed my partner to explain it to me. And <laughs> because I wasn't clear, and I think this has a little bit to do with some editing problems. And I, I think it's because we're in the hospital. Evan, or Nathan, is getting repaired in the other room. It's that classic, like... Nathan's in the other room and you're getting this whole like again a real life simulation type thing where where is this is everything the haunt are we still in the haunt is this the haunt too <laughs> wait wait yeah. wait what is reality is this a simulation are we are we all someone's dream what happens when they wake up what happens when the, when Halloween is actually over do we all vanish were we ever not part of the haunt they need to do, sign some release forms. Then we almost quick cut to the like to a person driving a big white van and they have those release forms. We now see that the clown has gone to Harper's childhood home and come through the front door and just like she's fucking Nancy from a Nightmare on Elm Street or the people from The Perfection, an even uh, more apt example. She has rigged her fucking place with the exact same bed of nails and glue and shit where the clown gets trapped in her childhood home and then she kills the clown and then she goes to her mother's place later and her mom hugs her i'm i i i don't know like what to I, I get what happens but the editing it seems both rushed and also ill executed to to the sense in which it like doesn't even matter you could have ended you could have ended them like like with their cups of cocoa and blankets over them at the back of an ambulance and it would have been just an effective as an effective ending um i don't know what do you think of this ending i still have questions myself i, I get it i get what they're going for they could have ended it in the hospital where you all of a sudden think wait a second are we still in the haunt like that would be cool too it's kind of got three endings it's got the you're in the ambulance everything's okay now the the places are burning to the ground or, oh my God, we're in the hospital, but they're asking me to sign a form. It looks like that release form, are we still in the haunt? That's crazy. In the house, which 
this is what I was asking Chris about this. Do you think her parents are alive? Because the house is empty. Or it looks empty. Chris pointed out there's furniture still there, of course. It's not empty, empty. Um, did she just ask them to vacate the premise for a while while she laid this elaborate trap to catch the clown? Uh, how, how did she know when he was going to be there? Has she been sitting there for months, crouched in a state of cat-like readiness? Um, is this a dream? And it may, what made me think her parents may be dead, of course, is not only that she has run of the place, but that final shot with her mom welcoming her looks quite heavenly, don't you think? And she refers to her house as a haunted house, which is a really weird way of saying that I have bad memories there. I've never heard anyone use yeah. it's a haunted house to describe a bad childhood. That sounds to me like her yeah. parents are dead. It sounds, or at the very least, here's what I thought the entire time. Her dad killed her mom accidentally in a fit of fucking rage. And then her dad like went away, like went to prison. And maybe that's ah. how I viewed it. But there's also a weird thing that happens when the clown man is stuck. He takes a beat to look over the fire mantle place and he takes a beat to look up at the gun rack. Like he knew, I was like, so you're looking up that like, ah, yes, the old gun rack that I knew was there that I know always has a gun. And now I see it doesn't have a gun in it, which means Harper has her trusty gun that was sitting on the gun rack that I definitely knew was there. I, I don't get that look. And, and sure enough, there's Harper with her fucking gun dressed in black like a ninja, like doing her one liner and she's fucking Ash Williams now, hail to the king baby and fucking shoots this guy in the mush. I don't, I, I, I just, I don't get it. I, I think he just noticed the gun wasn't there. I don't think that he looked deliberately like, oh, the gun. Oh, shit. It's not there. You know, I think it was more like, like he's stuck. He looks around and to the left and right. And then you see this mantle with the, the gun quite obviously not there because it's got like a gun dust out. <laughs> Um, I, again, I felt like here's how I would describe the ending to listeners. If you're curious, I felt like I was watching the movie at 1.5 speed with scenes missing. I, I find it very confusing and kind of misguided in a sense where you didn't need all this extra stuff. It's, it's nice. It's, it's nice to end it definitively. You killed clown. That seems to be the last of the haunters that we're aware of. So I guess Harper's safe now. And then she goes home to her mother who was already there. I just don't get it. I, I just really don't get it. Mm -hmm. I think it's fine as it is. It makes me want to watch it again. That's one thing that the ending always yeah. does is uh, leaves me with questions even after so many views, but not, not questions that make me say that the ending oh, ruins no, it. No. Where there are some people out there that would that would deride the ending so violently. I would just tell people, I 100% agree with you. The, the, this, These complaints, even though I'm going at it pretty hard, it doesn't ruin anything for me. And I, I think from the moment they get to the hospital, you have a solid fucking movie. It's really, really good. It's very much worth your time and money. 
uh, please check it out. Uh, this is going to become, I got to watch this every year now. This is a great fucking Halloween movie. It really got me in the spirit of things. And the ending is, I wouldn't say bad. I just don't entirely get what they were going for. Maybe in the special features, a behind the scenes thing, maybe one of the directors or writers is, or perhaps if I watch it with the commentary track, they'll kind of give me more about what they were going for in that scene. Um, but as, as it works independently, I think it's just, if I were to look at this screen on a page, I would ask the writers to just, what are you trying to convey with this? I don't need it spelled out, but I need it to make sequential sense, if not narrative sense, because sequentially it doesn't even make sense to me. Because at this point it could be a dream yes. sequence entirely of Harper's in the hospital still. And is the hospital the haunt <laughs> if we're still back there? But yeah, very interesting ending. I like it quite a lot the way that she set up that house, even though it does defy logic, much like her uh, carrying on with the, such grievous injuries. But I, I, I like the idea of watching it with the commentary track. I don't do that very often, but I'm watching the movie Seder again with commentary because it is so fascinating, that particular story and that movie being written, directed, filmed, produced by the single man who has written this movie based on true life events in his family. So him explaining some of that as far and, and the technical aspects, the technical aspects in Haunt, I don't really need because there's not too many scenes where I'm like, oh, wow, how did they do that? I'm interested to know if the clown has clown face scarification, which I doubt. I'm interested to know if the devil guy has true horn implants, which he very well could. They look very real. A lot of those things look real. Mitch definitely has a Slipknot mask on, <laughs> but who knows? Who knows? Maybe this is the new Todd Browning's Freaks. I don't think they need a sequel. It would be fun to have one, but I think that the ending is ambiguous that they could even pull a straight up fucking Dr. Satan and just be, yeah, that entire thing was a dream sequence. Don't worry about it. Like it and the movie ended when they escaped the haunt and clown survived and there were more haunters that you didn't even know about. That works for me. And all these extra stuff that remain ambiguous, that also like, again, it's exciting to debate it, but I think that this is just more than anything. What I think this is, is a good movie to show people who want to watch a Halloween movie who don't really want to watch something older and don't want to watch something too grotesque. So I think this works great as a double feature. Have some friends over or watch it with your partner. Do a double feature of, of Trick or Treat and Haunt. I think this is a great Halloween night if you want something just a little bit different. And I'm very grateful that you finally got me to watch this movie because wow, wow is all I can say is I really liked it. I'm glad. I had a feeling that you would. And I think that if anyone is listening to this and hasn't watched it, I hope you're intrigued because it's well worth it. Something that I like to watch has high, very high rewatchability, in my opinion, and is great for a happy, spooky Halloween. That's right. Um, but I don't want you to get too scared, Lids, because just before we're out of here, I want to tell people that you may have noticed, I know some people have already uh, DM'd me concerned 
that you're noticing that our episodes aren't uploading to SoundCloud. That is because starting uh, after the, the previous episode, but also including this one and going forward, we are no longer going to be putting stuff on SoundCloud. And if you're, why Wes? It's expensive. That, that's, that's just the whole long and short of it. SoundCloud costs me a lot of money every year to put it up. And that's money better spent on movies that I get to buy for the show. <laughs> and and uh, not have to worry too much about hosting costs because you know splatterpictures.net costs money the soundcloud costs money so every year you know it and by the way it's just it's a lot it's a lot more than i think people realize so lydia introduced me almost last year to the day when i paid my soundcloud bill for uh 2021 you said there's this feature, there's this place called Anchor, and Anchor does everything that SoundCloud does, and you can even move our entire RS feed over, and it's free. And so now that's where we are. So starting today and, and going forward, we're on Anchor now, so don't be worried. It's not gonna affect you listeners if you listen on Spotify or Stitcher or anything like that. It's not gonna affect anything. However, if you are SoundCloud users, I would make the jump over to Anchor because, again, it costs you nothing, and that's where Dead Air is going to be from now on. Yeah, and for the most part, uh, I think that a lot of people did get us from the feeds, so the feeds won't change. Your iTunes feed, still the same spot, don't need to change a thing. You'll hear this episode and be like, wow, I didn't know anything changed. Uh, on Spotify, you won't notice anything. Anchor is owned by Spotify, so that's mm -hmm. handy. That makes sure that none of that changes. And if you listen to it by going to the website, it might look a little different, but you still click play. You know, it still works fine. It is only uh, some listeners on SoundCloud. And the only real benefit that SoundCloud had, because uh, I don't count being expensive <laughs> as a benefit, is that you could comment as we talked. Yes. So if you're missing that, send us a tweet. Talk to us on Facebook. You can comment on the blog, of course, on splatterpictures.net. You can comment wherever mm -hmm. you like. You could call us on the telephone. Not really, but you could, you know, <laughs> and let us know what you think when you think it, because we love to hear that. That was the only thing about SoundCloud that I will miss personally. But otherwise, you know what? Anchor is great and it's a lot easier for us all around. Yeah. Um and also, just even if you were commenting a lot on the SoundCloud, because I know a few of you listeners like definitely did do that, um, I'll see it more promptly if you just tweet at us or you comment on the blog or something like that, because I get notifications for that, and I wasn't getting notifications for SoundCloud. So sometimes it would be like three, four days later, and I'll go back to SoundCloud, and I'll be like, oh, someone's made a comment, and then I'll respond as a johnny come lately and so it definitely seemed kind of like you were talking into the ether so i think this is just better all around but uh what do we got next for them lydia we don't know i don't know what what do we have next for them coming up next we have uh dead air <laughs> <laughs> coming up next we have a trick or a treat we have got a little list of films from popular streaming platforms, and I have gotten Netflix back at this time, and we both are Shutter aficionados. I even have an, a, a subscription to Arrow, which is a really good spot for a hard-to-find film. So we have a little list that we're going to go through, so we will talk it over amongst ourselves and on mm -hmm. social media, so we can weigh in as yeah, well. Yeah, that should be kind of fun. But uh, yeah... The uh, other than that, yeah, was this going to be uh, 
we'll, we'll let you guys know. And uh, yeah, maybe the maybe a little letting people know on uh, Twitter or something like that would be actually kind of fun. Like, hey, what do you guys want to see? Like, what do you feel like? And maybe next episode we'll report back on our Halloween happenings because it's a few days to Halloween. I'm hoping to have this up for Halloween. Glow in the dark plastic skeletons for everyone, Lydia. <laughs> That's Halloween to me. And on that note, I'm Wes Knipe. And I'm Typical Lydia. And you've been listening to our spooky Halloween special. 